Welcome, True Believer readers, to Let's Read Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, a division of Let's Read Spider-Man, a proud member of the PaySpot Patreon Podcast Network. If you like this podcast, you may also enjoy a podcast about being concise and descriptive in your writing. Oh, man, that is right up my alley. I would love to learn more about that. Join Hulk each week as he teaches you to call people shorter, more clear, concise names, such as calling Modoc Big Head, calling Iron Man Metal Man, and calling the Amazing Spider-Man Bug Man, and so many more easier descriptions for individuals. Listen to Hulk Names, presented on the PacePot Patreon Podcast Network, and now for a much longer comic intro than Hulk would approve of, it's from December of 1980. Stanley presents Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man 49, Enter the Smuggler, by Roger Stern, Jim Mooney, and Brock Patterson. All right, let me do a little better than the Hulk here, hopefully. All right, Peter is pondering his problems in his office at ESU when his friendly fellow grad student, Philip Chang, decides to take him out on the town. As they head out, and about Philip spies Tommy Lee, one of the White Dragon's hooligans. Peter changes and gives chase, and as Spidey loses Tommy Lee, we see an indistinguishable figure pulling strings from a far-off hideout. Okay, Peter loses Tommy Lee when he throws a spider tracer and it hits a pigeon instead of the van which drives away. Spidey eventually catches back up with Tommy Lee and gets him to rat out his leader's location. But he crashes the smugglers' meeting, and after a five-page fight, webs him up in the end. Wait, isn't Tommy Lee, you said, one of White Dragon's goons? Where's White Dragon? Who's this smuggler? So much going on, Eddie. I assume he's just joined a new gang, and I don't know. Well, James B., even more than that, I forgot to tell you about how Aunt May is engaged. I'm so happy for her. Uh, Eddie, yeah, that's great. Uh, I mean, he's engaged. Um, I was very concerned right away. I'm like, this is this never turns out good. But hey, uh, what about the White Tiger miniseries, Eddie, uh, at the end of this book here? Maybe maybe we should discuss that a little bit later. <laughs> is that really you talking or is that one of those like Eddie sound bites I clip in here? Maybe we should discuss that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I still can't tell. Well, regardless... Uh, I better just get going with the next book because you're not going to say anything new. From January of 1981, Stanley presents Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man 50 Dilemma by Roger Stern, John Romita Jr., and Jim Mooney. Spidey has got the smuggler in his clutches, but unfortunately, while the smuggler is trying to escape, Spider-Man knocks him off a train onto the third rail where he gets electrocuted. At home. Peter calls up Debbie because he needs moral support when meeting Aunt May's fiance. Peter and Debbie meet Aunt May and Nathan Lubinsky, Aunt May's fiance, at a nearby restaurant, but the wait staff sends Peter's spider sense into a tizzy. When they finally make their move, Peter and the elderly Lubinsky put up a fight. Against the wait staff, right? Yes. Lubinsky is not just an old man, he's an old man in a wheelchair, by the way. Hey, Eddie, last issue, Philip Chang was trying to take out Peter to meet some women. And yet, what a surprise. Peter needs someone to go hang out with him. It's Deborah Whitman, available only because Peter needs her and not because he's having any fun. Ditch him, Debbie. Anyways, uh, in the scuffle, Peter rips a mask off one of them and exposes the white staff to be aliens. 
Aliens looking for the lost fortune of Dutch Malone that was once in Aunt May's Forest Hills home. Peter claims he's the only one with knowledge of the fortune, and we end with Peter being taken hostage by the aliens and brought to... Mysterio. Okay, I got a bunch of things to say about this here. <laughs> First of all, just to make it clear to the listeners, these this waitstaff, they're aliens, Eddie? Right. Yes. Correct. Okay. So the wait staff, when they make their move, they're all aliens. I mean, we didn't didn't specify that. So you got to, you know, like you said, rips yes, off their I'm mask. Sorry. And yeah. no, no, you did it. And the scuffle, they're aliens. They they've come in first as like, oh, we're gonna fight you, and then it turns out they're actually aliens wearing human masks. Okay, got it. Secondly, we're gonna talk about the White Tiger miniseries now. Uh, let's discuss that a little later, James B. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, I was super confused by this book. Mysterio with aliens attacking Aunt May for a gangster's fortune. To be fair, Peter seemed really confused, too. He was like, what is this in these aliens? Yeah. So I guess this, you know, like, the writer wanted me to be confused. That's what I, I didn't feel too badly about well, it. we knew Mysterio wanted the money, right? That was right. a that was in the Amazing Spider-Man books. He wanted 197, 198, 199. Remember, he's like control he wants the money so he's working with the smuggler sorry not the smuggler the robert nope not the robber the burglar eddie the burglar <laughs> that's the one not to be confused with all these other people but these aliens i was less confused because i have some prior knowledge from about 18 months ago which i mean i think is hopefully going to get revealed soon uh, before we talk about the next book and the uh the creators of it here one thing i want to say is the last couple of books have been by Roger Stern, but they've been drawn by John Romita and Jim Mooney, who have been the same artists in the aforementioned The Amazing Spider-Man books. So if you were buying these books in 81, you're getting John Romita Jr. and Jim Mooney. Like, Spider-Man looks the same in Peter Parker's Spectacular Spider-Man as he does in The Amazing Spider-Man. That must be nice. So that being said, they're going to now change uh, artists here on this one. From February of 1981, Stan Lee presents Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man 51, Aliens and Illusions by Roger Stern, Marie Severin, and Jim Mooney. Inside an alien headquarters, Mysterio sends Peter Parker into a maelstrom of illusion in an attempt to force him to reveal the whereabouts of Dutch Malone's fortune. But when Spider-Man shows up to accost Peter, he feigns unconsciousness and the aliens take him to a cell. Once in the cell, he discovers his confines not to be very alien. Uh, Peter breaks out and discovers the aliens are a masked, disgruntled stuntman. Eddie, I think this is a bigger deal than that. It means that in The Amazing Spider-Man issue number two... Yes? Spider-Man didn't fight aliens. You really enjoyed that back then. Since then, he's fought lots of aliens from the Gardens of the Galaxy to a ton of Jokers in Marvel team-up. He's traveled through time. He's gone into the quantum realm. I mean, he's fought all kinds of crazy people. But that original story, Eddie, I think this was a retcon, and the original intention was that Peter Parker, as Spider-Man, was supposed to have fought aliens when he was with the Tinker. What do you think? I... I I agree, too. I mean, I remember at the end of that comic, they were holding a mask of the Tinkerer, right? Tinker's face. Hmm. I'm almost sure of that. Because I was like, what? I thought the Tinkerer was the Tinkerer. But perhaps maybe it was a different mask. 
You want me to look it up? I know no, I don't want to look it up. I'm right. I don't want to ask Kevin Ewing for help on this one. Let's just have our <laughs> let's just have our own opinion on this one. Totally believe that these were originally intended to be aliens because double mask anything is a terrible scenario I don't like at all. <laughs> you, you didn't like when Peter had a mask of Peter on top of his Spider-Man mask on top of his Peter face? <laughs> to fool um, the, <laughs> to fool the, uh, the uh, assembled bosses. Oh, man, that was a I, while ago. I, I was hoping that would never come back. It's true. I, I do want to say this, though. Okay, this is, although I don't think they initially intended to do this mask trick thing here, with the tinkerer. I thought those really were aliens. I didn't mind this. I didn't mind Spider-Man not fighting aliens. I, I liked it better that he was fighting mm. stuntmen and special okay. effects men. So I was okay with this. I just think, I wonder if that was the intention back then, but we're getting a little too far away from, well, actually we're not getting that far away. This is literally what the story's about. This is just <laughs> a bunch of books to deal with the like, Hey, let's bring back the tinkerer and Dutch Malone's fortune and, Mysterio and do the whole thing all over again. So why don't you try to wrap up this one if you can? Well, while Peter's in his cell, Mysterio has taken Debbie Whitman hostage in an attempt to force information about Dutch Malone's treasure from her. When a barrage of Spider-Men show up to fight Mysterio all at once, we see Spider-Man working the illusionist's main control board against him. As Mysterio figures out he's been duped, Debbie cracks his fishbowl head with a makeshift club. The real Spider-Man catches up to the now fishbowl-less head. God, I like this term. Fishbowl-less headed Mysterio. <laughs> and although the two battle to a standstill, Spidey wallops him to win the fight. Debbie finds Peter safe and sound. What did she hit him with on the head, Eddie? It is a like miniature model of some city. She like <laughs> picks up. I originally I had wrote what I saw. And then I just changed it to club <laughs> because I didn't want to try to explain that, James. Me, <laughs> I know. I was, I was I was kind of intrigued by that the first time I read these show notes. It was gone. She one hands it too, by the way. Yeah, she, she really with, whacks him. She grabs it with the, one hand. She's like, I, I mean, Spider Man regularly cracks him in his, his fishbowl head and doesn't crack it. But Debbie, one one good wallop. <laughs> she tells Peter she refers to Spider Man as that Spider Man's weird. And she loses a shoe when she's initially kidnapped. Like, they grab her. Like, we're yeah. going to, you know, of course, Debbie Whitman shows up to be nice, gets kidnapped. And then when they grab her, she drops a shoe. And they do a nice job, the artist, of never having her doing that shoe. She's always missing that shoe when she's running and doing all these other things. And it's kind of got a heel to it. Um, I don't wear heels, but I don't think I would want to be running around with one heel on for, like, the whole book. What a strange observation, James. <laughs> <laughs> well, Eddie, there isn't that much going on in these books. <laughs> I'm interested in what the weapon was she hit, you know, Mysterio with, and what she has one shoe. The continuity of the one shoe. <laughs> kind of what I'm into. Okay, all right. Well, all let's right. see if we're gonna we're gonna change storylines here, Eddie. Let's see if this one's any better. From March of 1981, Stanley presents Peter Park and the Spectacular Spider-Man 52, The Day of the Hero Killers, written by Roger Stern, penciled by Rick Leonard, and inked by Jim Moody and Eddie. I want to let you know I didn't bring up the white tiger because I knew you were going to reject me last book, but you're going to have to deal with it now. Peter Parker is exiting the Daily Bugle when the white tiger is thrown out of a passing car covered in bullet holes with a note that reads, This is the first... 
Uh, now it's time, James B. <laughs> <laughs> the past two Peter Parker the Spectacular Spider-Man issues have had kind of epilogue stories after the main book about the White Tiger. Okay, it's been three books, <laughs> five pages each. That is an entire book. Just when Peter Parker the Spectacular Spider-Man starts getting some momentum, they sublet out some parts of the book. They can do this in Marvel Team-Up, which they're going to do or if they've done. You know, I'm okay with that. But they should have just stuck it in the regular story because, I mean, it's White Tiger. He's basically Spider-Man's B story anyway. He doesn't have to have his own little few pages. Just stick right in the middle. I'm always reading about him and his girlfriend and whatever White Tiger's up to, you know? Yeah. Or an ad for Twinkies, right, James B.? Well. They, the, ads always took, you notice the ads always took place in the middle of the White Tiger story, too. Did you notice that? <laughs> Brutal. In all these books. Poor guy. He got all the ads in his book. Yeah, I. this was like a story going to the next book, and then I got to read five pages of White Tiger. I, I got to be fair, I skimmed it and went right on because I want to know what happened. Well, speaking of what happened, Peter tags the car with the spider tracer, and after getting Hector Ayala... Everybody knows he's the White Tiger, by the way. Yeah, they take off his mask when he's, like, hurt. No one cares. Right. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. whatever. Uh, To the hospital. Why does he bother to wear a mask? To the hospital where he talks to, where Peter talks to Blackbird and determines the culprit to be Gideon Mace. As Hector is having slugs pulled out of him at the hospital, Spidey finds disaffected soldiers led by Mace. With a couple of thwips of web, some acrobatics, and punches thrown, all baddies are subdued. Peter returns to Hector awaking. Uh, Hector gives his amulets to Blackbird and leaves on a bus with his lady friend, Holly, forever. Listeners, the bad guy, this uh, Gideon here, he's missing a hand, okay? Guess what attachment he has for his arm. Now, he's he can switch different things, and I'm going to give you a hint. His name is Colonel Gideon Mace, okay? What do you think he snaps in there? I'm not going to tell you. Just think about it for a minute. Eddie, don't even tell them what attachment he snaps in his arm socket there. I didn't like the extra White Tiger story following the Peter Parker Spider-Man books, nor do I like how this seemed to be a book all about White Tiger, but he spent the whole time in a hospital. Uh, I did like that he quit and gave his amulets up. Maybe he will stop having epilogues in the Peter Parker the Spectacular Spider-Man books now, right? Uh, that, that would be nice. The other bad part of this book reminded me of the marathon book we just did in Amazing Spider-Man. You know, the one where, like, I couldn't remember any of the answers to your game, James B. What reminded you of it? It's because, like, he's getting slugs pulled out of him, and then we flash back to Spider-Man in action, and he's, like, getting slugs pulled out of him. And it's like the phone is ringing, you know, and then we see Spider-Man. Save someone, mundane. It, uh, Too many mysteries in Spider-Man. I just want Spider-Man's classic villains, such as from April of 1981, Stanley presents Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man 53, Toys of the Terrible Tinkerer by Bill Mantlo, Jim Mooney, and Frank Springer. By the way, I'm going to interrupt before we even start. We just talked about in this podcast that the Tinkerer was associated with the aliens, right? Right. Okay. All right. I'm just going to point that out because there'll be no reference at all. To what just happened Him two books consorting. ago. Oh, we're yeah. going to talk about that. Uh, trust me, I got, I got something okay. to say, but you can do, right. do your summary. Go ahead. We open with Peter perilously saving a hallucinating woman and a gallant police officer from falling off a building while a trench coat clad character watches on. After playing hero, Peter investigates the room in the building that started all the trouble and finds Toy. Uh, 
toy lands hefty blows on Peter and escapes via a helicopter backpack. But Peter tags him with the tracer. This tracer trope was barely good the first time. We need to let it go the way of gas. Yeah, I hate this tracer being tied to spider sense. It's super overdone in this whole run of books, for sure. Spidey manages to follow Toy to the Tinkerer's hideout. After knocking out Toy, uh, Spidey delays capturing his elderly adversary to hear the story of how the Tinkerer has supplied many of Spider-Man's previous adversaries. At the conclusion of his story, the Tinkerer unleashes an array of deadly toys and traps on Spidey. But Spidey outsmarts the Tinkerer's minions and destroys the android toy, leaving Tinkerer despondent over losing his only companion. I really liked this battle because as I was reading it, there's this part where he like gets picked up by a giant claw, like one of those giant claw games. You pick up a stuffed animal. It seems so arcade-like. And then it turned out that the Tinkerer was su- supplying arcade, which is I thought was kind of fun. Eddie, I'm going to disagree with you here. This was a lot of stuff we already knew, including the big reveal that Toy was an android. We've known this for not from the very, very beginning, but pretty early on, we figured it out when he was like sleeping in a box, you know, whatever. <laughs> and he's like, well, he just acts like an android. Uh, it had zero supporting characters, had a completely different author. It didn't reference or progress a single story in any way of any Spider-Man comic. This was a one-shot book, and I'm not really about that Marvel team-up life. I was, no, 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 Eddie. What do you, do you have any comments on that? Well, I think... Toy didn't know he was an android. That was the kind of part that was sad because he's like dying and he's like, why didn't you tell me I was an android? Which is like, you know, a thing that happens. And then it's true. There's not, there's no story here, but I like watching the Tinkerer in action. I think all of these traps are, like I said, like arcade and I really like arcade. It's not, they're not as like maniacal, but. Sure. I mean, I, I understand. I'm willing to say it wasn't a terrible story, but. When I saw that we had had, whether we like him or not, we had like our smuggler story that carried into two issues. And then that turned into the aliens with Mysterio, which went for like three issues. And all of a sudden, it's like new author, completely different story. And I purposely went back and I'm like, there's no J. Jonah Jameson. There's no Deborah Whitman, who you could basically, you could throw Deborah Whitman at any time, as long as you have her being dissed by Peter, right? There's right. no Aunt May. There's not a single... I didn't even get a Philip Chang in here. There's just like no one. This was written in a, such a safe spot that it could plug it in 20 books in the future or 20 books in the past. It's just a one shot. And most importantly, no reference to the aliens that he had just seen. He could have been like, all he had to do was say like, hey, it's a tinkerer. The guy that I fought back in episode two with all those aliens who I just fought in issues like two issues ago. Like you couldn't even make that connection that just happened because it didn't just happen to him. It was a completely unrelated book. I'd always rather have a book even not a better book that's related to things that are going on in the story from a previous issue. And that is why I want to talk now about from May of 1981, Stanley presents Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man 54 to save the smuggler by Roger Stern, Marie Severin and Jim Mooney. Spidey aggressively stops a car chasing after an ambulance, but realizes he's made a mistake when a bunch of ornery cops jump out. The Magia are kidnapping the smuggler inside the ambulance because he was set to testify against the criminal syndicate. Yeah, one villain is like, why don't we just kill the smuggler? And the other guy's like, they want to make an example out of him. Yeah, I think killing would set an example. 
My two cents. Probably. Uh, after Spidey goes to the police station to chat, uh, he figures out the smuggler is in a floating Asian restaurant on the Hudson. Uh, Spidey frees the smuggler after fighting many samurai, but at the end, it appears the criminals will walk due to lack of criminal evidence. In slapstick fashion, Spidey exposes some drugs inside a doggy bag, and the criminals are captured as Spidey enjoys some chicken teriyaki before heading home. Okay, here's my point. This book is awful, right? I mean, it's, it's not, terrible. It's it's the it's a bad book, but. Here's why it's better than the previous book. Oh. Deb Whitman and her date are mentioned, right? Oh, okay. it feels All like right. you're, it's, so she... it's in the storyline. Okay. Steve gotcha. Hopkins and Marcy Kane are back. Marcy's wearing a turban, which is like okay. she's going to be wearing back-to-back hats for some reason. I'm wondering yeah, it, something going on it, with her yeah, hair. Yeah, it's mentioned there's something wrong. Yeah, yeah in the next book. continued thing. Yeah, okay. okay. You mentioned Peter's eating other people's leftovers. That's just funny. It's not a great book, but it's more in line with moving the story along. If we can do this for like 10 or 20 more books, then we get in a good place. Like we've built up a big background of characters and history. And then I know the book's going to be good. Move, so Move it along, James B. Then. From June of 1981, Stanley presents Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man in 55, The Big Blowout. Once again, it's the team of Roger Stern and Jim Mooney, this time with Luke McDonald. While Peter and Debbie are missing signals at ESU, a a psychopathic villain named Nitro is released from a couple of compressed gas tanks at a facility under pressure from his daughter's lawyer. (laughs) I did not mean to make that pun, (laughs) but very much enjoyed it. Nitro attempts to rob a bank, but Spider-Man shows up and has a lot of trouble fighting the explosive villain. When he figures out Nitro is mostly gas, he exposes him to nausea gas. The nausea gas chemically bonds with Nitro, giving him a perpetual upset stomach. Spidey contemplates the moral nature of his victory. So the gas used to break up riots is called nausea gas. If that's true, I learned something new today. Hey, Eddie, this story referenced three different Amazing Spider-Man books. Did you see that? This happened in Amazing Spider-Man 214, 215, 216. It talked about Peter's jobs, his money trouble, all good stuff. The villain, not good stuff. But the book felt relevant. And if I'm going to be a collector buying these books, I want to feel like the story's progressing. And yeah, I mean, nice if you can progress the story and have a good story at the same time. But, you know. Jobs and money troubles. This is Peter Parker we're talking about. That's like it all ref- the time, right? But like it references like that his that the Daily Bugle's going under and that you know, it's like just All right. It references that he had the fire or whatever. I mean I'm just saying it things things seem to be okay. relevant at least. It's fitting in there. Yeah, all right. Talk all right. about treading water though. Ugh. All right. Well if people want to tell us their opinions, if they'd rather have a book that's relevant or good, how could they reach out and let us know? You can email us at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com or on Twitter at Let's Read Spidey. And I'm James B., joined by Eddie. And remember, listeners, that Let's Read Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man is a division of Let's Read Spider-Man, a proud member of the PacePot Patreon podcast network. If you like this podcast, you may enjoy a podcast about not being a victim just because you're a handicap, such as being in a wheelchair. Oh, yes. Uh, let's do that, James B. <laughs> Not that convincing. Uh, <laughs> join Colonel Gideon Mace as he describes all the deadly attachments he has for his disabilitied arm, such as a laser, uh, a mace, a gun, 
a rapier, nausea attack gas, a TNT frisbee, a model of a city you can swing with one hand, and so much more. Listen to his podcast, Don't Be a Victim, on the PacePod Patreon Podcast Network. No mace hand. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. So you would you would rather have a book that's better than have a book that has something to do with the story. I I I think I guess yes, I think so. I liked the it's not too often that I like a battle better than a story, but like the story we're getting here is so marginal. It's just not it's not enough. I know. I know. It I really mean, is it. I'm sitting here like we're going to solve this problem. What are we going to do about this? <laughs> We're not going to do anything about this. We're just going to read, and they're going to change. I'm I'm going to look up this mask situation in Amazing Spider-Man 2, James B. You want to know if you're going to read the retcon about the about that they weren't that they were members of the Stuntman crew? Is that what you're looking up? Yeah, yeah. They, well, uh, you can look it up. They are. It's going to say that they're Mysterio. Mysterio is one of the guys in the mask. It's going to say. Okay, there's like a fire, and the Tinker is trying to leave, and Spider-Man can't get to him. Uh-huh. So Spider-Man runs away. We see this alien ship. Clearly, it's an alien ship taking off, by right. the way. Mm-hmm. So. It's an illusion. But then, Peter, yes, Peter Parker, he's holding a mask of the Tinker at the end. Mm. Is this supposed to imply the Tinker is an alien? It, it's all an illusion. It's, this is your chance, everyone. <laughs> It would make sense why he's such a good tinkerer, because he's an alien. Oh, well. I'm proud of myself for remembering it. No, good job. And I think the reason I think it was real is because, you know, we're coming out of a time back in the 60s where the books were all called, like, Tales to Astonish and Tales of Suspense. Right. Because they were into sci-fi. This is what they were into. Like, it was, yeah, that's why the Fantastic Four are out in space. I mean, it's like, these are... This is commonplace, you know. Everybody... Totally in this vintage. This this flying saucer he takes off is like so Flash Gordon esque too, or the flying spaceship. I did like the retcon where they say they showed the retcon scene where they're like, "He's damaged our control panel," and one of the guys is like, "You can cut the <laughs> fake stuff. No one, we're all by ourselves now. There's no need to pretend we're aliens." <laughs>